Parents, are your kids ready to go to the next level? What do they need besides knowing the mechanics of soccer? This man has amazing insight. Hi, I'm Brian Scales, Executive Director of the Academy for Charlotte FC. We talk about the importance of adversity and how to get your son or daughter noticed. That's next. We are podcasting Charlotte FC, bringing you the human experience behind the club, inspiring stories, community initiatives, beneficial info, and much more with Matt Harris, the voice, and Dwayne Dyer, the tech. Welcome back, people. So glad you're here. Great interview on the way, I'm sure, as we continue to find stories associated with Charlotte FC and Brian Scales, executive director of Charlotte FC Academy, is here. Brian, howdy. Thanks for coming in. Learn a little bit about youth soccer in the area, and then I also want to get into your journey and what it's like to play coach, teacher, therapist, psychologist, and all that with the kids. Uh, Dwayne, you want to find out about how the soccer situation works with kids? Yeah. Yeah, Brian, in Charlotte, there's so much misinformation. Mm -hmm. People say you got to play with this club, on this team, et cetera, et cetera. How do you go about finding players? First of all, thanks for having me on. Second of all, we're, we're still young. And so okay. our academy is moving towards the end of its second year. Okay. So as we staff out our academy and as we get our structure right, the scouting part becomes critical. So we will go out and watch games on the weekends. We will have scouts that are out watching games. We will talk to coaches. We will see you know, a variety of teams play, clubs play when they come to town. Okay. Teams that are in the area, uh, recommendations from coaches, uh, all, all of that, you know, puts us kind of out there to try to find players in their environments uh, to see what they're all about. So at the U14 level, what do you look for in a player versus a U16 or a U17? Yeah, you know, we, we have the advantage of having uh, our discovery program, which, which is run by Patrick Daka. Okay. Right? And so that's tw 11, 12, and 13-year-old kids that come in on Mondays and Wednesdays. When we watch those players and when we go out and scout players, you're looking for, yes, the technical ability, of course. Um, how do they move as athletes? Uh, kind of what stage... Are they in their growth process and maturation process? But really, it comes down to what are their ideas? What do they want to try? Are they, are they courageous to try things? What happens when they make a mistake? You're looking at these vegetables and trying to figure out, hey, what is it going to grow? What is it going to look like? Do they have autonomy? You know, do, you, yeah. do they, do they uh, make decisions on their own, or do they look at their coach and the parents for making all for the decisions? For direction. Too. Right? Yeah. yeah. So, Can they think on their own? Yeah, that's it. I mean, this is a, this, as you well know, this is a sport where you're not calling timeouts. You're not, you're not running plays, so the kids have to be able to make decisions on yes, their own. Yes, I always say to people that soccer is a play game versus football which is a coach's game i plan the x's and o's and we execute for six seconds and we run another one the players don't think that's what i that's my thought coming from a soccer world yeah because i see some runs sometimes a player could do something else but he just runs into the pile because that is what was written up mm. versus soccer so there's a lot of thought going on in the game and i understand what you're looking for yeah at, at that level, yeah. But I guess you're trying to get them to the point where it's 
Not a lot of thinking. Well, you, you want them to, to, no. to think, but instinctually. Yes, right. And so, yeah. you, you know, you want things to, you want them to be able to make these choices, you know, autonomously. The other thing I would say is, you know, when you look at young players, they can only keep track of a couple things during, you know, a game. Mm-hmm. They only can keep track of a couple things in life, <laughs> yeah. you know? Right. But as they move along, you know, they can keep track of a few more things. By the time they're 16 and 17, they can keep track of, you know, seven, eight, nine, ten 10 players on the field, and then eventually 22 players on the field, yeah. you know, dealing with time and space and all that stuff. So it's, it's, um, it's, a, it's a very complex game that's, that's we hope as coaches we can make simple. The, the kid isn't on the U14 that doesn't rule him out that he, his maturation might be different and he could be in the U15 or the U17, right? You, you don't have to be in that academy right no. day one, do you? No, no. Everybody's journey is different. Yeah. And, you know, these kids all develop at different rates. You have kids who are 13 right now, 14 on our U14 team who are six foot four, and some kids are, you know, four foot eight. Wow, yeah. You know, they're all born in the same year, mm-hmm. 2008s. Right. And so it, it, it's, that's the beauty of coaches and people who are in talent ID to use their imaginations to try to see, well, what is this, what is this player going to look like in this person in, in the next, you know, three, four, five years? So. And when you're dealing with kids, uh, there is a lot that you have to take care of, I'm sure, as not just a coach, but you are a child psychologist and you are a you know, bridge to the parents uh, and all that. How much of you think that your job is the technical aspect, if you had to do a percentage, versus working with that mind of the, of the kid? I would say, and I've been coaching for 30 years, I would say for the first 10 years of my coaching career, I felt like 75% was tactics. 75% was mm-hmm. the soccer part. And as I've gotten older and more experienced, and I've yeah. made mistakes and I've learned and developed as a coach, I would flip it now. And yeah. so 75% of coaching young players is the, the person, the, mm-hmm. the, the psychological component, the the confidence the autonomy the dealing with setbacks helping them build uh, resilience um and then the 25 percent is probably okay here's our structure here's how we're going to play here are the tactics uh that stuff is the easy part that's the soccer part it's getting it's getting young players and building those that resilience and and helping them kind of in their journey do you find it's harder for kids to handle a setback and loss, that sort of thing, than it is to be a graceful and grateful winner? Yeah. yeah. I, I, th- I think in this day and age, the challenge that we're all, as youth developers, are all working against is this feeling that success needs to be instant. It's instantaneous, and you're being judged constantly. Oh, it's on Twitter, it's on Instagram, yeah, it's yeah. on social media. Yeah. The parents, they want to put everything up there on, on, uh, you know, on <laughs> yeah, social, social media sites, because yeah. they're proud of their kids, okay? Uh, cool. You know, we're right. all parents, I get it. Cool. This is right, part right. of the process. But allowing kids the space to make mistakes and to deal with setbacks is part of the journey. And that's built into our academy. You hope that it's built in as a parent, but it's harder now for kids to, to deal with times when they're not successful you have to help them through that yeah and it's almost like you want them to fail a little bit you want them to be in the wrong place you want them to sit out a game because of this that right i mean that that's 
yes. building. 100%. It's part of the process. If you're not doing that now, when it shows up later, and it will show up, mm-hmm. th- they won't have the tools in their toolbox to be able to deal with it. Right. And so as a parent, as a coach, as a youth developer, you, you're constantly trying to figure out, okay, how, how do they solve this? Can you let them figure it out? If, what happens if they fail? What happens if they make mistakes? How big of a deal are you going to make it as a coach? Do you help them identify it? Do you figure out techniques and ways to work through it? Okay, you didn't start. You're playing in a different position. You didn't have a great game. What, what, how do you react to it? You know? So right. we, we tell these kids all the time, it's, it's not what happens to you. It's how you react to what happens to you because you're going to have setbacks. It's how this process is. You uh, were a coach at Cornell. Uh, dealing with college kids, mm-hmm. and you said you'd switch it from the, the percentage you were doing technical to that. Having kids mm-hmm. on your own, did that kind of make it click for you? Yeah. I felt like I became a better coach when I had my own kids because I could see, you know, on a daily basis how they grew and understood things and dealt with their own setbacks. I, I was also fortunate to be around kind of in my formative stages as a coach, uh, mm-hmm. some really good um people who are also really good coaches you know jim lennox bob bradley uh jim barlow at princeton bruce arena uh manny Manny shellshite yeah Yeah, these are guys these are guys that dave sarikin these are all guys that have coached with u.s soccer have been professional coaches they're college coaches um you can exchange ideas you could try different things you could get feedback it it was i was fortunate because i had some mentors when i was yeah that's a good circle to be in was your dad a coach, your mom a coach, your parents coaches? Was it, what, what, My dad what was a minor league baseball player. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah, so I grew up in a multi-sport family. And um, when I was young in New England in the mid to late 70s is when the, the old NASL was up and running. Right, uh, Pele, Beckenball. Yes, all Blue those Carter. guys. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So I was Cosmos. fortunate. Yeah, the Cosmos. I was fortunate to live near uh, the old Foxborough Stadium when the New England T-Men were based out of Foxborough. And okay. so the Cosmos and Canalia and Beckenbauer yeah. and Pele, all these guys came through Foxborough. So it was, it was big nice. for me, and it turned me on to the game when I was, you know, little. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Let me, let me talk about the, uh, the host family situation. Yeah, yep. So your U14s are usually homegrown players. Uh, yes? Yeah, no? they stay at home. Okay. Mm-hmm. So when... Do you get into the host family situation at what what age group? Yeah, so so the host the host family the homestay program from us for us usually starts at the U fifteen age level. So the fifteens and seventeens we have U fourteens, U fifteens, and U seventeens. We feel strongly that those kids at U fourteen need to be at home, right? And so those kids they go to a brick and mortar school. They they live at home. They come in during the day for training in the, in the evenings. By the time you start to get 15, but more so to the 17s, now you're starting to see, okay, some of these kids have a chance. The majority of them are going to go to college and get scholarships, which is awesome. It's a big part of our process. Okay. But getting them close to the training ground so that we can help with programming to keep them sharp and bring them in and work on things means that there's homestay program a homestay program here with seven of our families, 10 of our kids right now are in homestay. And we hope to expand that as we, as we move along. So it gives them, it gives them kind of a residency component to this process. What are some of the challenges you have with these kids coming from out of state, different socioeconomic backgrounds, 
landing cultures. in la- yeah different cultures mm-hmm. landing in charlotte what are some of the common uh i guess concerns or well challenges that yeah that, that you come across as a coach it's a great question because th- these homestay families are have been incredibly generous in opening up their homes to these aspiring student athletes so when you bring someone in from outside the home, especially a teenager, there's there's going to be those awkward moments and the, the kind of acclimation process that has to happen. And, you know, it's no different around the world where your your kid, the kids are leaving their home, going yeah. someplace else to pursue a dream. And so you have to really monitor those things. And again, you talk about building resilience. That's one of those yeah. one of those things where you're like, okay, how do you how do you deal with some of these challenges that are that are coming your way? Because it's it's never easy. Do they bring it to you or to Patrick? Um, Who they would bring that up with? They yes, eventually it comes to the staff. Uh, the homestay families will bring it to us if there's an issue. Sarah Smith is in charge of uh, academic employer welfare for our academy, and she does a really really okay. good job of of staying tuned in and connecting with all of the families and players if they're homestay or not uh, in our academy. So we're, we're really fortunate to have uh, a terrific staff that's kind of, they're on 24-7 to make sure that these kids are, are, are being supported. You, you mentioned we constantly, we've been having resiliency as a theme mm-hmm. throughout this. How about in your life and in your soccer life or your personal life that, that were moments that, if you want to share, that taught you something about that oh gosh i mean there's there's multiple multiple moments right i mean in life you know i've become more philosophical as i've gotten older you know and you know that that has helped me as a coach and moving from one job to the next being fired uh oh yeah you know (laughs) uh dealing with setbacks uh I, i was i was incredibly fortunate to have my oldest son in our academy back in New England, uh, mm-hmm. terrific kid, terrific soccer player, but wasn't going to progress to the next age group. So in that instance, you know, I had to release my own son, you know, from the program. Uh, and, um, wow. you know, as a professional, that's something that, that comes up in professional football. It's just the way it is. Yeah. As a dad, it was, it was really, really difficult. Um, but again, you talk about building resilience and, and, and dealing with setbacks. He, he dealt with it incredibly well and now he's 22 he's going to graduate from a really good school up in connecticut and uh and okay. he's often they won a national championship this last fall oh, with wow, great. Uh, connecticut college so did you do you think that he handled it better than you expected he handled it better than i did that's the, okay yeah there you go you and you and the mom were, he uh, sure did yes yes how, yeah how did mom handle it well listen yeah. she, she knows it 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 it, it was those things in life where you you just look at it and you're like, okay, this is going to be better for his long-term development. Yeah. He may not know it now, but I know it. I know this will be better for him down the road. Okay. And I think that's the message to parents, you know, in our academy. And, you know, when you look at kids, okay, this, these are difficult moments. It's not fatal, but these are difficult moments that you have to try to get through. And how you frame it is a really important uh, aspect of parenting and coaching. Sure, sure. Yeah. Did your pops ever talk about the dream not being fulfilled he said he was minor league so he wanted to be pitcher or baseball player yeah he's a pitcher yeah yep. so he did he ever mention that uh the feeling of not 
I assume, reaching what he wanted to do? Yeah, not really, because I was incredibly fortunate that he, you know, he would just let us go. No guts, no glory, right? Go, <laughs> go after stuff. Yeah, no, yeah. And if, and if and if you fail, who cares? You know, go after it. That's perfect. Yeah. And do I was it. fortunate because I don't think that a lot of do it. Yeah, it's not always the case with some families. It's got to be, you know, you know, this or that. And that's what I'm saying. It's a balance as a parent and as a coach or whatever making sure they're focused and they're motivated but not to the point where they lose sight of the bigger picture or whatever if right. that makes sense yeah it's, it's right if you want them to focus you want it to be soccer soccer great soccer but not to the detriment of of the lessons that are learned along the way correct right? the balance is important right that balance is important you still you still in the business that we are in now you're still developing kids. You're still developing children. And, you know, when you're a parent, that's, that's your priority is helping to develop, you know, your kids. And then eventually they are autonomous and they go and, and you move into kind of a consulting role, you know, yeah, yeah, right, with, right. with a, with a checkbook. Uh -huh. And, um, you know, as a, as a youth developer, you have to open doors for these players and then help them through those doors and then back off. And yeah. so I, I think we have a tendency in this day and age to over-program kids. It's kind of just the way culture is now where they've got to be doing something all the time to get good at it. And mm -hmm. I think it's our job to try to make sure that we provide that balance. That's interesting to hear you say that. Yep. You're just running an academy like that because that's probably not every big-time soccer person's viewpoint. You know, it's a, you to play... Soccer nonstop. You got to play. Yep. You know nothing but soccer every second yep. of every day. Yep. I. I, I mean it. But like you said you've learned I, things. I, I, the years. Um, yeah. I mean it, this. I think that's one thing that I've learned after you know thirty years of coaching, it, and it probably is against conventional wisdom at some point where you're you yeah. say okay these kids they should play multiple sports when they're young. I love the multi sport athlete, and wow. then eventually they can specify as they start to get older and become really good at something, and then you can put them on a pathway you know, that like yeah, we have yeah. here in Charlotte to, to be able to, to be an elite player at the professional level, college level, national team, wow. whatever it looks like. So you don't think that, uh, like, let's say parent would go like, but if I don't have him playing only soccer from five up, he'll fall behind. You don't buy that. <laughs> no, no, because I, I, I never did. And, and I just see the value of not only the being a multi-sport athlete, but the, the movements as athletes the the variety in training, the variety in yeah. in the different ways that you have to think. You know whether you're playing basketball and you're using your hands to sh to shoot and to move yeah. and defense and soccer yeah, that, and that lateral you know lacrosse, all of that stuff. It it all matters when you're young, and you know, I think it from time to time, like we'll play futsal with our academy kids you know, to change it up a little bit, it'll be different, but we'll play in the sand. We'll, you know, you'll try to give them something a different, that's a little bit of variety. Um, yeah, it's that. important. I get that. It's very refreshing to hear that come from yeah. someone of your, like really refreshing. Cause that's yeah. not, I've heard some stories from, and not just soccer, but like stories of sports, kids yeah. who's or coaches are, you know, they're six and they're like, well, I'm sorry. Uh, they can't play basketball and, uh, soccer that they're six <laughs> you know come on man i mean listen the, the perfect example and you can get to the top at both ways you look at tiger woods and roger federer right tiger woods did golf when right. since he was you know 
six months old and you know and he's obviously one of the greatest of all time mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and roger federer you know played multiple sports until he was probably yeah. 13 14 years old yeah. so i'm a multi-sport guy i think it gives you longevity i think it gives you different movement patterns i think it, it again it helps build the resilience and the variety of of, of movements that you need to it, be successful it really does it makes you an athlete so an athlete comes to you and then you get them into that soccer player mm -hmm. some kids can't even run right and you throw a ball in the mix and it's a disaster um, <laughs> yeah, i've been there <laughs> so brian once you identify a player mm -hmm. what's their path coming into you what are some of the things that are done to leave home uh i know you have to set up housing and all that school what what else yeah i mean you're 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 basically trying to to lay out the pathway for, for that family and uh -huh. knowing that the pathway can change, yes. right? That's, that's part of it. But, you know, here's what it would look like, you know, it, it, with Charlotte FC, you're with our U17 team, you're training four or five times a week, you have games on the weekends, you're playing MLS clubs, you're playing international teams, you could get called into the first team training sessions, which is happening now. Um, you know, soon we will have a, a B team, an MLS Next Pro team, which will be reserve team, which yeah. which uh, and we announced Darius Barnes today as the president of that club, okay. that team, which is great. Uh, and so that provides another um, way for those kids to be in the deep end and start to figure out, okay, this is I'm good at this. I, um, yeah. I can really do this. Because I could tell you, every kid, regardless of gender, mm -hmm. that was at that uh, opening game, the inaugural game at home, wants to be on that field. Yeah. So they yeah. got to come through somebody like you. And that's, yes. that's the information we really want to get out. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. You know? MLS academies have a responsibility, and this is my 13th year in the league, to eliminate as many barriers and obstacles to entry as possible. Okay, so yes, the the youth sports industrial complex around the country with clubs and directors, DOCs and coaches, there's a lot of money in this, right? Yep. Mm -hmm. We have to eliminate the time and space issues. Okay, how do we get kids to training? Do they have the support the support to get there? How do we make it free for them? Because it's our academy is cost free, so they don't have to pay any money. Hmm. How do we? educate them are they online can we hook them up with a tutor do we help yeah. them in that process because academics are important to us as well yeah um and then now how do we program what their pathway looks like and and do we find a homestay family for them so that they can pursue this dream mm -hmm. so our job is to try to eliminate the barriers of entry for all of our players and players around the carolinas it's the player's job to engage and invest and enjoy the process um without becoming it's called learned helplessness you mm -hmm. know uh, well someone else will take care of this for me right. you know the parents think ah they'll take care of that don't worry about that okay no no no, no. take responsibility you, you you engage and this is your pathway you're the protagonist that's interesting that's great yeah that's it because in the end what you're doing is very few are going to be playing in the Premier League or whatever. You are, I'm, the way I, I'm reading you and talking to you is you're building these people to be great young men 
And when they're great people, they also spread the word of a sport you love. Yeah. And so it's a package there when they leave. Yeah. I think when you look at these stages, you look at developing the person first, then the player, and then the competitor. Right? And so if you don't get that right, Mm -hmm. and you don't work on the person first, invest in the person, support the person. Okay, here's the position you play. Here's the the demands from a player standpoint. Okay, and the tactical demands and all of that that the game throws at you. And then now you get to the competitor part and it's, okay, can you knock somebody out of the lineup? Mm-hmm. Are, you, are you playing for your next contract? Are yeah. you competing all for right. a scholarship? So that kind of sequencing of the development process, it doesn't always happen that way. Yeah, right, I think right. some yeah. people try to skip steps with that, but we try to keep it very clear um, you know, as, as these, these kids are growing and Okay, cool. It's great. It's been a great conversation. Brian, I appreciate it, man. The best of luck with all uh, getting this all up and running and your wife coming to town eventually here yep. and settling into Charlotte. Yeah, we're excited. We're excited to come down and be yeah. here and, and uh, there's a lot of stuff happening, so it's it's pretty cool. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, man. Anytime you need to get on here and give us something new that's coming, something new, exciting for the kids, Love let it. us know. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Thanks. All right. Thank you, boys. Bye. Thanks, man. All right, if you want to learn more about the Charlotte FC Academy program, head to charlottefootballclub.com and click on the tab that tells you about the Charlotte FC Academy. Also want to talk about some of the work you've been doing, Dwayne, in the community and things you've been involved with recently. Yeah, Charlotte FC partnered with Special Olympics North Carolina to have tryouts for the first ever unified soccer team the first ever charlotte fc unified soccer team they define unified as being a combination of players with and without intellectual disabilities so after all that went down you know i had to come home and do some research and you know learn a little Mm -hmm. more about this thing and i saw that mls works espn and special olympics teamed up for this concept. This is great. This is a big thing for Charlotte, uh, for soccer in general in North Carolina. It is the first team that they're founding right now. So it's it's historic. Andrea Stam, she's the vice president of sports for Special Olympics North Carolina. She was out there. Kevin Sims, former president of United Soccer Coaches, was out there. Uh, Charlotte FC guys, Dustin Swinehart, Jeff Homans was out there, Nate Watkins was out there, a few other people from the community were out there running the show, you know, getting everything organized. So at the end, I was able to have a, you know, just a small conversation with Andrea. Cool. Again, she's the vice president of sports for Special Olympics North Carolina. So hopefully we get Andrea on here. That'd be great. And and you know we'll we'll discuss some more things. Yeah, and you could always find more info on the club's website, charlottefootballclub.com. Another way to reach out to the MLS Unified team and the organization is sports at sonc.net. That's sports at sonc.net. And hopefully we'll talk to you soon.